You're listening to The Real King with Joe and Heidi King. Hey, everyone. We knew we would get into some tough subject matter, and for that reason, we just want to add a quick disclaimer on this episode. While we don't talk explicitly, we do make reference to sexual assault in this episode, and we wanted to let you know in case you wanted to listen at a time when you are not with a younger audience. All right, get ready, everybody, because on today's episode, we are going to be getting raw and real, and we are going to dig in and hear Joe's testimony. Just leave and go, and you follow him. Yeah. You know, the, the, the ones that were sent out that came back to Christ, and they're like, well, even, even the, the demons, we have power over them, and, and Jesus was like, don't revel in that. You know, that's, that's, I, saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Um, he, he was, he was letting them know that it was worth more that their, their salvation was set, that their name was written in the Lamb's book of life than to have all the, the authority over all the power in the earth. Yeah. Um, what, what credentials do you have to, to be able to bring this message? Uh, the testimony in Revelations, it says you overcome by the word of your testimony and by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. Now, I study most more than most people. I know people that graduated from Bible schools that have barely picked up a Bible since they graduated. And yeah. they're on staff somewhere, and they have to spend 55 hours a week on salary to think of 45 minutes worth of something to say. I'm in 250-plus houses a year. I'm, I've been in probably well over 50 practicing witches' houses, some of which are, are professors at our universities, and educated people that are practicing daily. They're, they're always reading something. They're always uh, applying these things to their life. And, and I can boldly go before the throne of God and receive his protection, his mercy and grace, and go into these places and have conversation uh, I can witness to these people. I can, I can. A lot of these people are never going to drive themselves to a church to hear me speak. So you were talking before last episode about um, how you have to like continue to refine and and renew your your testimony basically every day, right? Yeah. It's it's new every single day, and I think one of the big misconceptions that people have about walking with Christ is that it doesn't take any work. No. But it's it's like the biggest lie. It's it's a huge and absolute lie. you have to equip the saints in the same way that you would equip an Olympic track runner, mm-hmm. uh, an Olympic swimmer, any any profession, skill, trade where it takes practice. And you have to learn it and refine it, and you work on it every single day. And if you don't, you lose it. Mm-hmm. And I think people re- – that's such a miss nowadays where people – it's like they want to show up on Sunday morning, they want to get their cup filled, and then they walk out the door, and that's it. But they're not equipped for anything. Right. So when they're faced with adverse adversity right. and complications in life, because you're going to have them. When, when I was saved on July 11th, 2009, 
Mm-hmm. When I was saved, I was saved, but every day I'm I'm being saved until right. I get to the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. So every day, Scripture says we work out our own salvation. Every day, I'm still being saved. Mm-hmm. I was saved that day. I was delivered that day. But every day, I'm still working out that deliverance. Mm-hmm. Every day, there's going to be each day has some sort of temptation or evil of its own. And the deliverance really was a stepping stone. Oh, absolutely. Because from that point on, you flourish in every other area. There was there was specific hard things that I was delivered from that day mm-hmm. that were big things, big issues, like big enough where my spouse barely talked to me from that next day on for months because she was afraid that interaction where there was no booze or drugs or anything in the house might somehow uh, give some sort of, uh, I guess, a, a feeling of... of uh, like triggering? Self, no, like self... Like, like oh, you, you've got some sort of self-control. You've quit for a mm-hmm. month, and then there would be like a fall off the wagon mm-hmm. or a relapse, yeah. right? Did you, did you feel that way? Did oh, I was waiting like for were... the foot to drop. Yeah, she, she didn't she... realize the spiritual aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, because he had tried before. Uh, it Not was really. always like a day or yeah. something like that, and then it was like, ah, uh, this isn't no or putting up putting up with people without liquid courage is not. Yeah. Well, when I say tried before, it was like it wasn't like an, a complete abstinence, but maybe like I'm not going to drink hard liquor anymore. I'm just going to stick to beer for a while, like that sort of thing, maybe. We also were in such a horrible relationship at that point, though, where we didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. Like, we weren't friends. Right. So I knew that if I would say anything, I was waiting for the foot to drop. Shoot and then drop. I knew if... Oh, the shoe. <laughs> the shoe to drop. <laughs> and I knew that if I would say anything to him about what happened... You'd upset the That apple he curve. would absolutely go into a rebellion and go right back to mm-hmm. it. Like Which wasn't. But that's how the devil works, though. So he still kept, like, a lot of the people would hear, oh, you got delivered from alcoholism? How amazing is that for you and your family? Like, did you guys, like, go out for brunch after? And, like, in reality, he got delivered from alcoholism, and we didn't actually speak of it, nor did our relationship get better for probably 30 days after that. I got asked to share my testimony in a large Assemblies of God church. Mm Mm-hmm. In front of like 300 and some people, which was crazy traumatic for me mm-hmm. because I've never been one to cry. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stepped up onto that pulpit, I, I bawled. Which like, was the Holy Spirit. Sobbed uncontrollably. And the pastor was literally trying to translate. Mm-hmm. Like he was interpreting through the through the tears. And it was just... It was this whole mess, and that was the first time my in-laws, who all happened to be there, because this was a service right before a holiday. And myself was the first time that I heard what happened. Yeah, and I'd been sneaking to church, and that's how 
I got so close with pastor and That's stuff. That's so funny, sneaking to church. Yeah. yeah. Hey, when, when, I, when I went to church, like when, it wasn't even like an issue. Right. When, when you come from three generations <laughs> mm-hmm. of tent revival ministry mm-hmm. and, and your parents were used by God to literally raise the dead, right? you... You have some pride issues even after the deliverance. So that brings it right back to what you said. There was specific things that were taken that were huge issues that day that we had to like, even the shock of that was so much to our systems that like, okay, this is, this is every day mm-hmm. for years and now all of a sudden that's gone. If if you've if you smoked three packs of cigarettes a day for twenty years, and now all of a sudden today you don't smoke anymore, there's hours of your day that were usually spent trying to fa- find your pack of cigarettes mm-hmm. and your lighter and your and you're enjoying your your whatever your your addiction to your nicotine or whatever. Now that time is no longer consumed with that activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would jump from gas station to gas station to gas station on the way to a Walmart just to buy booze. Yeah. yeah. So after the deliverance, when he had to go to Walmart, there wasn't five gas station stops that he had to take anymore. I didn't know how to walk through Walmart sober, if that makes any sense. Do you know what stuck out to me about you saying you snuck to church? Is like, how many people experience a similar situation or... Maybe maybe a slightly different flavor of it, right? And they get delivered, and they slink back to church because that because of the lies of the enemy that you should be coming back with like shame or timidity, and really it should be a prodigal son absolutely experience it where should. you're you spot Jesus in the distance and you start booking it towards one another mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> like two people running t- towards each other on a beach and you know it's a a reunion that is the crazy the crazy know? thing uh for me was when I when I started doing that um and then I reached out to the man that spoke at that church the day I got delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, he literally was like, oh, neat. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we actually, it's been almost 14 years. We literally just sat and, and I shared a bunch of the testimony with him because he never heard the whole thing because we never had that much time. We were always working. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I... Like I had no idea. Oh, because he worked in ministry. Yeah, and you and uh, volunteered. Yeah, and the first time I I talked to him, I was like, I don't know what to do. And mm-hmm. you you spoke the day that God delivered me, so maybe I'm supposed to. And you he never was like, know the impact you're having. No, oh, and no. he was like, oh, neat. And he just kind of like shrugged it off. It was like three weeks later, he he somehow tracked me down and was like, I think you're supposed to serve in this ministry with me because you haven't left my mind since that day. In the meantime, in that like three weeks, the only people that approached me in that church were, I don't, I don't know how to describe them. They're good Christian people, but they, they lent their ear to the wrong voice. Mm -hmm. So their approach was, uh, do you golf? Uh, do you, do you have a boat? Yeah. Oh, they were trying to find common <laughs> ground. Well, yeah. Well, and it, it right? wasn't it wasn't like um 
but it the the delivery was kind of like a you know nose up in the air like oh, okay okay you don't look like us you don't walk mm-hmm. and talk like us you you're They're obviously trying to figure you out yeah, yeah and and that was such a huge turnoff for me because i'd i've i had had such bad experiences mm-hmm. in church especially being a pastor's kid you're always held to a standard that nobody in the church is going to meet and somehow they think because you ride in the back seat of your pastor parents car to church that yeah. you're somehow going to mm-hmm. going to end up walking on water yeah it's not how it works. And what they don't know is that most pastors' kids are attacked harder by, oh. by spiritual mm-hmm. things because they know their destiny. Well, and if you if you ever like just read the Bible, um, you you find out really quick that a person has to have eyes to see yeah. and ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And just because your your parents are, we talked about that in the last podcast with Samson. Just because his parents did everything right didn't mean he wasn't going to go out and yeah. end up in trouble. And and he spent 19 years of his life with the Philistines. The kids have to work out their own salvation. Yeah. yeah. You have and, to experience it yourself. And because of those experiences that I had, that was like the worst approach for me. But it was the only people in that body that approached me. Mm-hmm. And I, I had something well up on the inside of me that was like, Literally, you, you, the flight or fight, the that yeah. kicks in, and in like, my flesh was like, oh God, it's more of these, more of these broken, needy people that are always um, edifying themselves by by looking at the 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 less or mm-hmm. or the the lack in others. Um, we actually, when I got delivered and set free, I had made pretty good money. I, I did very well. I'm a, I'm a, a very animated, uh, guy and I, I've always been, uh, one that's social. So I did well in business and was an asset to every company I worked with, mm-hmm. but I lived well above my means you know, if I was at a tavern, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was buying rounds with money I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like payday loans, uh, pawn shop tickets, uh, car title loans, all these things. And we made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And we were losing everything. And, and in the midst of all this, uh, short, shortly up to the deliverance, I, I lost my job. I lost everything. We lost our place to live. I mean, we were we were, we were literally broken down in order to be built back up. Yeah, we were losing everything. We weren't talking because we didn't we didn't have that kind of relationship anymore. And I was navigating some some uncharted waters too in that moment. That was like really crazy for me. When 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 I got delivered at that moment, um, it was pretty amazing. Had had some cool stuff happen with my health, with my physical body. But within weeks of that, um, the enemy, the devil, was hitting me in my dream life. Mm -hmm. Like I would go to sleep and I would have such realistic dreams about consuming drugs and alcohol 
But I would have to wake up before my wife and go out and check the cars to make sure there wasn't cases of alcohol in there. Like after your... After the After the deliverance. And like I didn't have the tools to to un, like we said earlier bring in fleshly weapons to a spiritual battle i didn't have the tools to, to fight that and right. i didn't have people around me that worked in deliverance ministry so none of them were equipped and now i've found most of the people that i meet that I mean, have a fairness. quote unquote deliverance ministry mm-hmm. they they have this idea uh one and done mm-hmm. like ooh we'll jump the bloodline we'll do this God has shown me such deep things with deliverance where mm-hmm. where that's not how it works. Jesus said those things get driven out of a man. They go and they find a deserted, dry place. They find no comfort, and they come back to find a clean and swept house because they want a boat there. Mm-hmm. And if they find it, they bring in seven spirits stronger than themselves. You get rid of an addiction or a dependency on, on some sort of pharmacia-like alcohol, and now this thing comes back in. And it's mm-hmm. got some sort of pornographic issue with it. It's got some sort of anger issue with mm-hmm. it. It's Lust. got a, mm-hmm. a a buddy of suicide. Right. You know, like these these things that we we have to be in the church. This 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 edified. What Paul said it best. He said we're not to take part in unfruitful speech. We're not to be mm-hmm. uh, taking part in civilian lifestyle. Right. How many police officers, I mean, I've known police officers that literally live in a different community than the one they work in because they know they can't interact at the grocery store with the civilians mm-hmm. because they'll lose their respect for their authority behind the badge that they carry, you know? So it's like learning all this stuff in the process of being delivered, mm-hmm. you know? So now I understand okay. You mentioned not being around people that have worked in deliverance. And I want to add a point of clarification that your addiction had created distance between you and the people that could have supported you maybe or had experience in certain aspects, right? Yeah. But your your experience was also unique unto itself. Yeah. Um, but being raised, we were raised around deliverance yeah. ministries. But you you were distant from that at that point right and it didn't alcohol didn't only harm your relationship with heidi it harmed your relationship with everyone everyone yeah yeah and so you were isolated you were you were like perfect for the kill right because you were off by yourself yeah and well, and I was always it in was like, like some it, sort of survival mode too. Right, and it was very literally God going after the one. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I get asked when we when we speak or whatever. You know, there's there's a lot of people come up like, oh, you know, my my cousin or my son or my my sister's boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think God will do this for them? Like, absolutely. Like everywhere mm-hmm. Jesus went, there was deliverance everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone he prayed for, he cast something out, you know, and um, absolutely. The, 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 the biggest takeaway I have, though, is, is you, if you receive deliverance, you, you have to steward that. Mm-hmm. That's not just for you. Right. Because what good are you 
to walk in a testimony that's so great mm-hmm. of being born again and having your life given back to you and then not share it with others. Right. So if there's still shame attached after the deliverance, then you're not delivered. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're, you're, you're free from one thing, but you've, you've just... Picked up another. Well, you've just come into covenant with shame. Oh, I can't let anybody know that. I had dirty magazines in, in the closet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, not, you're not that great of a representation to these people anyway. No matter how awesome you think you are, you, you are nothing until gr- Christ shines through you. Mm-hmm. And the way he shines through you is he takes every room in the house. Reinhard Bonnke used to tell mm-hmm. this amazing story about God being invited in, but only to a room. Right. You know, and he couldn't protect the guy because the guy would only give him one room. And he said, Lord, I can't let you in that room because there's things in there I wouldn't want you to see. I have a hot take on that. Yeah. And I feel like, by and large, the people that will make you feel dirty and shameful, that is really, and they act so aghast at the fact that you would mention these things. Like, ooh, how dare you? They don't want their own found out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it's what it is. Absolutely. They don't want their dirty little secrets exposed. But exposing all of this, and we've talked about this at length, exposing the the unsavory mm-hmm. and these tough topics, you have to talk about it. And anybody, people should rejoice with you Yeah. at the thought that, at, at the notion that you've been set free from the things. And it should be a, a happy discussion and a, a joyful occasion to discuss those things and freedom from those things. And if anybody makes somebody feel differently mm-hmm. and attaches shame or hushes them, that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, spiritual, the spiritual strength of shame uh, tells you that when darkness is exposed you should feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The The Spirit of God, the blood of Jesus, when it comes and exposes darkness, then that darkness should feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And you Precisely. should feel free because where the Spirit flat. of the Lord is, there is freedom. freedom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you don't expose and the darkness, joy it's not ever going to go and away. And strength. Mm-hmm. The fruits, yeah. Oh, man, it's 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 mind-blowing to me that we we have people when i talk about um certain situations uh when i was real young um you know it, it happens more often than it ever should to to children and in families where there's like you know, there's always a creepy family member or mm-hmm. somebody that um, does something to children that they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times it goes undetected or it's it's too uncomfortable to approach. So people just go, we'll keep the kids away from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and myself and, and my two brothers were, um, we had something like that happen. We were little in the church. Um, the church was doing amazing things. Like it was it was great. There was all kinds of stuff going on that was amazing. And people had such discernment for the good because mm-hmm. they were they were discipling people and they, they seen the gifts in them and they were edifying them that 
there, there's probably a few different things that kind of added to the recipe. Uh, one, it was a, a, a female, you know, mm-hmm. so who, who suspects, you know, in the 80s, right. a, a, a woman to affect a bunch of little boys. This kid is now affected the rest of his life mm-hmm. with something that he can't share with anybody because right. of pride, mm-hmm. for one. And two, he's, his trust has been broken. Right. How do you have a good relationship with, with a God that you can't physically see? You trust him. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Mm-hmm. And now your trust is broken as like a six-year-old? Right. And now you gotta you gotta navigate life like that. So I spent my life from like six years old on until I was delivering delivered from all these these things that I used as coping mechanisms, um, self medicating, and I was in survival mode all the time. Mm-hmm. So my, so do you feel like you were in survival mode since you were six? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then that is what was the gateway for the alcohol. Absolutely, there was there was. There were so many um, things that were always going on where, one, you you take on a responsibility at that age where you think we had a big church. Um, you know, if that would have got exposed. And close-knit, too. Yeah, and, and everybody knew yeah. each other. Yeah, it was, on. you know, I'm sure looking back, you know, it was probably unfathomable that something like that could happen right amongst all of the good things that were happening yeah. at that time. And so it's it's just, it's one of those things. There's so many contributing factors, like you said. Um, and a lot of times it's hurt people that hurt other people, people that had been abused, you Abuse. know, abused. Um, I, I can tell you this. By the time I was nine, mm-hmm. um, because of my acting out, I was literally, my grandparents were the senior pastors of that church. They, everybody knew that I was already a little space case ADD. You mm-hmm. know, I had too much attention. I was always into something that I became outcasted within my own family, within the church. So the closest Extended people, family. Yeah. yeah, the closest people to me in that situation was that offender mm-hmm. by the time you're nine your little brain gets thinking that you're consenting to things i have a nine-year-old daughter right now yeah <laughs> that kid can't consent to anything anything that's when i look part at of the her problem in our culture right now yeah. when i look at her if i was to see a 20 something year old getting her to consent to anything that would be i'd be in a prison ministry from the inside, from the inside. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not that guy. Yeah. Well, they're so you know? innocent. She even said a, right. a word that was somewhat inappropriate the other day, and she I didn't no know idea. it. Yeah, yeah. And there was just such an innocence on her face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you, 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 you have this responsibility at that young age where if this gets exposed, mom and dad will lose their ministry, and grandpa and grandma will lose their ministry, and all these people will have to leave. So, you, so you it's literally cr- it's crazy because that weight that you bared as a child, a very young child, it just continued to get stronger with what you're going to take in to try to relieve any of that pain that was so deep inside of you, right? So then other people would come along 
and not know any of your past and be for me, for example, and be like, why can't he just stop drinking? Right. Why can't, why doesn't he have any self-control? Just figure it out. Figure it out. Because it was so much deeper than just party time. Yeah. And I think a lot of the people that struggle Mm -hmm. with needing deliverance and a lot of people in their lives that don't understand why deliverance is not taking place, it's because there is a deep rooted issue Mm-hmm. that is not being addressed yet Unresolved. <laughs> and maybe those people around the person that needs the deliverance maybe they don't even know what that deep root issue is mm-hmm. but it, 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 it gives you compassion towards that yeah. person in a different way because yeah. i didn't know these things when i was dealing with the alcoholic husband mm-hmm. would it have changed my outlook would it have changed the way i pray probably yeah. i was serving god in ministry for five years, delivered from all these wonderful, crazy things, and my brother died, 39 years old. Mm -hmm. And at the point that he died, that's when God exposed the other issues with the survival mode and all this stuff from this traumatic thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I had to come face to face with that. I actually got to come face to face with the offender and forgive them. Mm And that's a whole story in itself. But what happened was God started showing me um, a side of deliverance that most people don't know because they've not lived it. Mm-hmm. You know, that deliverance from that, from that, that shame and that uh, offense on such a young child, um, that, that's a really powerful thing to understand. Um, the... The idea, you know, people have this idea like, oh, I'll, I'll never pray against this or that, or I'll never, well, I don't want to be involved in deliverance or casting out devils or anything because what if it comes after you? What if a spirit jumps? Baloney. Yeah, that's a lie. That's well, it's, people it's that believe we fallacy. serve a little God and the devil is a big, big devil. Yeah. yeah and that is garbage. a lie. Greater well, is he that's in me. Well, and the, the crazy thing is, is you've been being watched since birth. Mm-hmm. Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly realms. You don't battle against flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Right. So just like the Levitical priesthood had a, a, an absolute calling on their life to carry the ark, whatever ministry God has, he called you since before you were in your mother's womb, right? So whatever that is, put on your bloodline, that you're supposed to steward, those principalities and powers, those things that are geographically set to keep you from advancing in the kingdom of heaven are always keeping watch. And when they see an opportunity to keep you from sliding into the potential to be the next Reinhard Bonnke, the next Billy Graham, the next person that's going to reach multitudes, they start to set snares. Mm -hmm. Psalm says, God revealed the snare of the fowler. That little box with the piece of cheese under it, where you go to reach for that, innocently reach for that piece of cheese, and now you're captive. Now you're a prisoner. So the idea that here's this kid that is the lineage of three generations of ministry. Like people that had effective ministries. My grandfather had a Bible school. He wrote tons of books. 
Uh, he came from very adverse situations. Uh, his parents were in addiction. They were not good people. His brother spent his entire life in, in penitentiaries, uh, fathered many children without ever really being around. Um, my, um, my grandmother, I mean, she had a, an amazing inner healing ministry. She was always working in the ministry of deliverance. My parents, my dad broke off things and ended bloodline curses and garbage that was put into the bloodline when he got saved in 1980. Like I come from a lot of um, amazing, amazing people that God used and, and lifted up, like people that you wouldn't think were credible sources. And God's allowed them to walk in his divine nature and power. And then, boom, they have a kid who now has this personality that's like through the roof. You know, I, I was always a busy kid and I was always like happy and, and fun and, and always social. There's a, there's a big threat. If that kid gets to a place where he trusts God from the age of accountability on, you know, that, that's world-changing stuff right there. So to knock them out, and then you have all the focus, you know, it's, it's, it's like the story when Jesus was coming across, across the lake and the storm rose up and they came down and found him sleeping in the bow of the ship and they're like, Lord, you're just going to let us die. Like, what are you doing? And he comes up and he says, peace be still. And then he, he lands on the shore and the possessed men come out of the tombs. And, and those spirits speak out and they say, you know, son of man, why are you here? Our time has not yet come. The idea that these things know the answer is coming before the, the town's people knew. Mm -hmm. Those people that did not value mm -hmm. the, the possessed man. They, they put him, outcast him in the outsides of the town because he was inconvenient that, to deal that's with. That's the true definition of a marginalized community yeah. right there. Well, and, you, and it's inconvenient to deal with that. Right, yeah. But, but Christ found worth in that, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like these things, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly realms. If you, if you think you're going to go through life and you're going to avoid spiritual wickedness and, and any kind of spiritual battle and you're just going to float through, you're going to be in, ineffective for the kingdom of God. Yeah. The only thing you're going to gain out of it is maybe your own salvation, but you're going to become a different type of captive or prisoner mm -hmm. because it's going to start small with like, yeah, I don't really like being in Walmart anymore. I'm going to shop at Target, different class of people. Then you're going to find yourself in Target uncomfortable there. Pretty soon you're going to find a smaller store. Maybe you're going to shop at Aldi because it's only got three aisles. Pretty soon you're just gro ordering your groceries because you just don't want to deal with people at all anymore. Wow. I and feel now called all out. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're confined. You still lead worship at church. You're I do. okay. I'm all right. But now you're going to find yourself confined to your home. Mm -hmm. So now you're, you, you went from like avoiding conflict and spiritual warfare to literally the warfare is in your own home, and now you're tormented and attacked in your own bed when you're trying to sleep at night, and you can't go anywhere for help because you stopped attending church because you wanted to be the church outside the four walls. Mm -hmm. it's, it's false doctrine. It's poor doctrine. 
And we are supposed to be able to Because resist. it's a trick, right? To, right. again, it, it, separate you out from amongst other believers so that you're easier to capture. It's I mean, anybody that's watched a document, a nature documentary, knows that that's how a lion or a tiger separates out one gazelle or one wildebeest, and that's when they make their kill mm -hmm. every single time. Yeah. And you still need to be that believer and spreading the gospel outside of those four yes. walls. But yeah. you still yeah. need to have your butt in church every yeah. Sunday Iron sharps and lion. every Bible mm -hmm. study. And not because the church is forcing you to. If, if you leave all the mm -hmm. knives in the drawer, they don't sharpen each other. You got to take them out. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Iron sharpens iron. You got to get them to a place. It's not comfortable. Well, if you're the average of the company that you keep... Mm -hmm. And you spend six days a week hanging out with your friends that go to the bar mm -hmm. and smoke cigarettes and watch smut on TV. And that's what you're doing six days a week. And then for 30 minutes or an hour on a Sunday, you're trying to get as much God as you can because you just drug yourself in there because of guilt and shame. It's interesting because it is so much easier for people right now in society, in our culture, to subscribe to the idea of garbage in, garbage out when it comes to your physical body. Oh, yeah. You know dang well, if yep. you go to the gym once per week, you will not see any sort of gains. You're not going to come out with a six pack going yep. to the gym one day a week. Yeah. That's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it is so much easier for people to grasp the concept of I need to eat right, garbage in, garbage out. Yep. I need a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips or whatever the saying is. Yeah. That is so, so much easier for people to grasp on their physical body, but they can't grasp that spiritually. Spiritually, If yeah. you treated your spiritual life like you were an athlete, yeah. and there's even scripture that talks about... Or even just like standard maintenance, being able to run the mile, <laughs> you know, like, like we did when we were younger. Yeah. They spend 30 minutes in church a week and then they wonder... What's your spiritual fitness? What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Well, and you, we, we we're called to pick up our cross and follow him. Mm -hmm. And, and a, lot of, a lot of us, our cross is our flesh. Paul had a thorn in his side. Right. You know, so it's like, how do we, we, we have to understand that um, there's, there's so much to being a Christian. It's not just about repeating a prayer and, and having the helmet of salvation. Thank you for joining us today for this episode and inviting us to sow into your life. We pray that you were blessed by what we shared. We would be so honored if you would subscribe. That way you will be notified every time we post a new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us by searching at The Real King Podcast. That's at T-H-E Real King Podcast. See you next time.